0: Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jay Zawoski with you here for Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Very much appreciate it. We know you know how to find the podcast. You're listening to it now. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, all those great podcast providers. We are there. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. You see somebody in a Hawks jersey, say, hey, I found this great Blackhawks podcast. Maybe you'll like it. It's called Lockdown Blackhawks. Check it out in your app store. And again, if you're a listener, the best thing for these podcasts, for any podcast really, is to rate and review the podcast. Positive reviews go a long way. They make them much more visible in the app stores. If someone searches hockey podcasts and Lockdown Blackhawks is well-reviewed and a lot of people listen, It's going to be up there towards the top. So that helps everybody and makes everybody happy. And truthfully, it helps me out a lot because I do this to pay the bills. And I appreciate all the support I've gotten so far and all the kind words I've gotten so far. But again, rate, review, subscribe. Subscribing helps a lot. And tell a friend or two about Lockdown Blackhawks. The Blackhawks had an off day on Tuesday. So not a ton of news and notes to react to, but a couple things we're going to get to today. First and foremost... Jimmy Greenfield of the Chicago Tribune spoke to Kirby Dock's junior coach in Saskatoon. He had some interesting comments about Kirby Doc. I'm going to share those with you. Dylan Strom joined 670 The Scores, Dan Bernstein and Connor McKnight on Tuesday as well. Had some interesting comments about improving the team at 5-on-5, five five, what changed in his game when he came over from Arizona to Chicago last year. And he also talks about the impact of the added veteran players to the roster and and how he's very, very uh, excited to get the chance to play on Thursday to sort of wash that loss away. It's been a long wait, and the Blackhawks players are definitely chomping at the bit to redeem themselves for the loss in Prague to the Flyers last Friday. Want to get in touch with us? It's very, very simple. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. By the way, i got to stop saying us. I keep saying thanks for listening to us or get in touch with us. It's just me, but it's weird for me to say me. Is that, I don't know, maybe it's a weird thing that I'm hung up on. I got to work on it. I have a little note here on my laptop that says the phone number for the voicemail, which is 708-653-0572. Leave us a message for mail back Monday. I think I'm going to also put a thing in here that just says me. So I remember to say me. Get in touch with me at LO underscore Blackhawks. Email me at lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. Follow my personal Twitter account at JayZawaski670 and follow our James Navo and I. We have another Blackhawks podcast, longer form once a week, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Follow that podcast at Madhouse Pod. Jimmy Greenfield, who covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Tribune, had a chance to talk to Saskatoon Blades head coach Mitch Love. Mitch Love is not a WWE wrestler from the 80s. It sounds like it, but no, he's a hockey coach in Saskatoon and uh, had some interesting comments about Kirby Doc, and, and I think, you know, if you were Kirby Doc's coach and junior and there was the opportunity for the number three overall pick in the draft to come back and contribute to the team, you'd think you'd want that. But I think it's interesting here. Mitch Love says, um, of course, Kirby being back here and playing for us makes us a very good hockey team. But at the same time, and I tell this to people all the time, our job in junior hockey is to develop these young men for professional hockey or life in general our number one goal is to try and produce as many nhl players as we can through different organizations in junior and that's the case here this is what we want mitch love is rooting for kirby doc to make the blackhawks just like the rest of chicago <laughs> it's very refreshing i think it's something that we all want and it's starting to feel a little bit closer this has been a topic of this podcast and the Madhouse podcast for months. What will Kirby Doc's impact be? When will he play? When he plays, where will he play? What roles will he play? I don't know if it's going to happen this week, but the Hawks have seven home games in a row coming up here after Thursday. So Thursday and then six more after that at home. I talked yesterday about Calvin DeHaan potentially targeting that game next week against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Maybe that's the game where Kirby Doc gets up to speed and can play. Because that's what Jeremy Couton said yesterday. We played the audio on Tuesday's podcast. They just want to get him some full-speed practices, and they felt they weren't really able to do that over in Europe. Now that they're home, they can ramp up the intensity on the practices and really get Kirby Doc up to speed. So they play the Sharks on Thursday, then Winnipeg Saturday, then Edmonton Monday, then they have three days off before they play Columbus on Friday, October 18th. That to me feels like a target date for Calvin DeHaan and Kirby Doc. And uh, hopefully, you know, those three days between the Edmonton and Columbus game, those can be the days they use those practices to sort of add to the intensity, test out how he responds to, you know, uh, an intense practice a full speed practice. It would never be a full contact practice, but you want to make sure he's okay to go in there and, and, and you know get hit, get jarred around a little bit. Concussions are nothing to mess with, especially when it's the number three overall pick. And as anxious as I am to see Kirby Doc on the ice and as excited and anxious as he is to get on the ice and as excited as the Hawks are to see him on the ice, they've got to be careful. And I think even though he was clear to practice, what a week ago maybe a week and a half ago easing him back in is the right thing to do you're going to want this guy to be a part of things for a long long time to come and the best way to do that is to keep him healthy and protect him And these concussions and look Jeremy Cowton knows this better than anyone a concussion is the fastest way to cut a career short they're unpredictable they're all sort of different everyone reacts to them differently Jeremy Calton's career ended because of concussions his playing career so I would like to think that he's hyper-aware of that, that he's ultra-cautious about it, and that he has Kirby Doc's best interest in mind. I think for sure he does. There's no part of me that doubts that. Look, they could have forced him in. They could have said, look, you've been practicing for a week? Get in there. You're playing against Philly. Or get in there. You're playing you know, Thursday for the home opener. We want you for the home opener. They're taking their time. They're doing your due diligence. They're making sure he's ready to go mentally and physically before he takes the ice and that's the right thing to do as impatient as we all are it's the right thing to do it's the best thing for Kirby Doc and uh and I think they're handling it well is is again as itchy as I am to see number 77 in the Blackhawk sweater I know that patience is the best way to act in this situation it's good to wait take your time he'll be ready when he's ready and hopefully when he is ready, he'll be a Blackhawk and he'll be a Blackhawk for a good long time. So I thought it was interesting and a nice angle from Jimmy Greenfield on an off day to get in touch with Kirby Doc's junior coach and say, hey, you know, what do you think? And, and and Mitch Love says, yep, I prefer Kirby Doc to make it in the NHL. That is our job as junior coaches and junior organizations, even though it would make our team better, the best thing for Kirby Doc." And the best thing really for the Saskatoon Blades as an organization is to have him thrive and succeed in the National Hockey League. It's that time of year. The winter sports are starting up. Concert season is starting up. And if you're like me, you want to be in the building to see your favorite band or your favorite sports team. And whether it's a concert or a game, Vivid Seats is the place for tickets to all live events you wanna see. You can sort by price, you can pick the section, you can pick the row, all in the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats Rewards is their new loyalty program. With Vivid Seats Rewards, you can attend the concert or game you want and earn credit towards your next purchase. With reward statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn credit towards their next purchase. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app now. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. Download the app. Join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your Favorite live event. Enter promo code postseason at checkout to receive a discount of up to one hundred dollars. It is locked on Blackhawks. Jay zawoski with you here. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And in my real job, I guess this is a real job, but in my career, in my weekly Monday through Friday nine to five sort of a deal, I am the executive producer for the Bernstein and McKnight show on six seventy The Score. Follow them on Twitter at 670 The Score. Um, but every day from 9 to noon, we are on the air. And Tuesday, we had Dylan Strom on the show. And I want to share some of his comments with you uh, here on Locked On Blackhawks. Not often we talk Hawks on 670 The Score. So uh, when we do, I'm going to share some of the audio. This audio, all courtesy of WSCR 670 The Score Chicago. First thing up, Dylan Strom mentioned is there desire to improve their five-on-five play last year they were a really strong team off the rush what do they plan on changing this season to be become better at five on five
1: well anytime you play against you know any team in this in the nhl they're 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 going to be pretty good structurally um we actually talked about it yesterday at practice where um uh, majority of everyone's chances in hockey come off come off uh off of turnover and that's usually off the rush so um you know it's it's definitely tough to to create t- to create uh, chances five on five, but I think what we've been talking about is, you know, setting the next line up in a in a good position. So, you know, have have a good shift in the offensive zone, and uh, maybe create a whistle and you know let the first line get out there, and uh, or maybe there's an icing call and the first line can get out against you know a tired third or fourth line and try to take advantage. So I think just you know kind of having a good shift, a uh, good momentum swing, and, and letting uh you know, letting the guys that uh, put the puck in the net go out there and and uh, you know hopefully put it in for us.
0: I always find it interesting when players talk about. On ice strategy, and I feel like hockey players are the least willing to really X and O the sport and say, "Well, you know, when the left wing goes here, then I go here." Blah blah. It's 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 sort of hard to break down because hockey is such a reactionary game, and it doesn't really allow for. Yes, of course, every defensive, you know, uh, setup and offensive setup has a structure, but a bounce here and a broken stick there changes everything and it changes the way the whole game is played. So I think Strom's emphasis there on strong shifts, putting the next shift in a better situation to win, controlling the puck, getting the puck back, forcing an icing play to get a better line matchup, all those things sort of being on the mindset every shift. I think that's interesting. And I don't know how as a player you would pursue that in a game, right? If you're, if you're playing a shift How do you program your mind to say, you know, we need to get a better face off for the next line, or we need to really force an icing here. If we can, the priority to me feels like it would be get the puck in the net all the time. And if you're in a defensive zone, it's keep the puck out of the net all the time. I wonder if players have that ability to really plan in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the game and other sports like football, you know. It's time's running out and you have the ball and you know, I'm going to get the ball and I have to go out of bounds, right? Those are the sort of things that in a game you can keep in mind. And in a basketball game, game's late, but we don't have any timeouts left, so I can't call a timeout. I've got to be aware of this and that. I think hockey, just the way the game is played, it doesn't really lend itself to too much planning ahead. Because again, one bounce changes everything or a blown skate or a broken stick, like I said, it's interesting something i'm going to keep in my eye on as the season goes on here is that something that you can truly actively control next piece of audio i want to share with you uh dylan strom was asked about his improvement from moving from arizona where he had 16 total points in his whole career to chicago where all of a sudden he had 51 points and 58 games dylan strom what changed
1: a lot of things changed um i don't know i guess i just kind of came in Chicago uh, I don't think anyone really knew what to expect of me I didn't even know what to expect of myself I mean obviously I knew I could get could get points and score and stuff I did it my whole life and then all of a sudden in Arizona I just couldn't really get it done and um, you know it was kind of frustrating because I'd never had to go through that before so when I got here I just kind of just tried to reset my my whole brain and my whole mindset and um, got back to playing with Alex and playing with some really good players and, and got out on the ice and just kind of stopped thinking about it so much. I think there was just no pressure on me to, you know, go have fun and go play and, and do whatever you do. And, and uh, the rest is take care of itself. And I felt like when I was in Arizona, I was always, you know, trying to live up to that third overall pick and trying to, you know, maybe maybe be something I'm not Where You know, I'm not the most flashy guy out there. I just try to get the job done and, and uh, try to create some plays for my teammates. And, you know, I guess I was trying to be, like, the, just just trying to do too much. And I think it kind of hurt me in the long run. And, um, and then now I'm here, so now I'm just trying to, you know, Not be the most flashy guy, but, you know, have fun and and set up my teammates and score some goals and and help the team win, I think. You know, we we got on some pretty good streaks last year, so hopefully we can do that again this year and and get the first win uh, Thursday.
0: So there's an NHL player acknowledging the pressure of trying to be a star player in another town. He was a high draft pick. He went to Arizona with tremendous expectations. And I think even in a market like Arizona, where hockey is not the most important thing, Most people, it's not the priority. It's not the number one thing they care about. Maybe it's not the number two or number three thing you care about. But when you're the third pick overall, there is a certain amount of pressure on you to sort of be a star player. And look, Kirby Doc is a third overall pick. So you have to wonder, right? Is the pressure to be a star going to be something that hurts Kirby Doc? I don't think so. And here's why. The Blackhawks don't need Kirby Doc to step in right away and be a great player. They can ease him in. He can be the third line center. Hell, he could be the fourth line center if you wanted to. You've got Taves. He's not going anywhere. You've got Strom. He's not going anywhere. Kirby Doc can ease himself in. There's no pressure on him to come out and be great right away. I think that to me is best case scenario. And that's part of why I really want to get him in the lineup now. Because if something goes wrong with Dylan Strom, he is a restricted free agent this summer. If he wants... Alex to bring him money or more for whatever reason and they can't bring him back you don't want Kirby Doc's first NHL full-time experience to be having to be your second line center that's not ideal and you're probably not going to go find one for the money that Dylan Strom's going to want so you're gonna I'm confident that things are going to work out with Strom and he'll be back but in an ideal world you ease Doc in from third line eventually to second then when Taves finally hangs it up Doc should be your number one center. And he's got all that experience behind him without the pressure of having to come out and perform right away. That's ideal. Anyway, back to Dylan Strom. He also mentioned playing with Alex DeBrinkett again, coming to Chicago. Talent matters. And he's playing with better players in Chicago. He spent most of his season last year on the ice, obviously, with Alex DeBrinkett. He was the guy he was paired up with most. Second most was Patrick Kane. That's a recipe for success. That's the way you're going to pick up some points and have some success and gain some confidence. And no matter how much I believe in the analytics of the game, and I do, you cannot underestimate the importance of confidence and the importance of feeling good about your game and feeling confident on the ice. And I think picking up points and having success, it's sort of a cyclical effect. You're getting points. You're playing well. You're setting up Patrick Kane and Alex Dobrynkit, who are having great years, and you feel better about yourself and your game improves, and everybody's happy. All right, final piece of audio I want to share again, this courtesy of 670 The Score, Bernstein and McKnight Show. They're on every weekday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. He talks about the impact of the veteran players the Blackhawks brought in this offseason, Calvin DeHaan, Oli Robin Leonard, etc. and then sort of uh, segues into his comments about how excited he is to get the season going. Frustration that they've only played one game so far. These guys want to play, and they want to win. The home opener on Thursday.
1: When you look at our roster on paper, it definitely got better compared to last year. Um, I think Stan did a really good job this summer of of adding the the pieces. I think to to make us, you know, hopefully get over that hump. I mean, last year we only missed the playoffs, but I think it was six points, and we were right into it till the third last game of the year. So um, obviously, you look at that, and you look at you know a few games that hopefully could have gone our way, and and we'll go this way this year. So uh, obviously, it's a new year, and everyone's kind of at the same level right now, but. Um, you no, know, I think the it, it's exciting to see. I mean, it, it kind of sucks that, you know, I think we're the only team in the NHL that's played one game. So, um you know, we're looking forward to Thursday and, and hopefully getting the same uh, on
0: the right, right
1: track. And sucks playing a game and losing and having to wait so long. But hopefully we can use that to our advantage. And know we play a a bunch in a row here. So, um you know, we're looking forward to that.
0: That was Dylan Strom on the Bernstein and McKnight Show on 670 the score we do thank the score for letting us use that audio and thanks to dylan strome for jumping on the show with the guys i was impressed by that interview by the way if you want to hear the whole thing go to 670 the dylan strome is a really good talker in the interview they talk about his um how interested he is in statistics and how he is like i said about patrick kane earlier this week a true student of the game so check it out learn a little bit about the blackhawks second line center dylan strome it is Locked on Blackhawks. Jay Zawoski with you here, and my next guest is Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers. He covers the Ice Hogs and the Wolves. He's also a scout for the St. Cloud Blizzards and has his own Blackhawks podcast. It's called Hawk Takes, so check that out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. Greg, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it very much, man. Oh, thanks for asking me to come on. Uh, so, the Ice Hogs have begun their season. They've got a game in the books. They lost their first game uh, to the Iowa Wild. 3-2 um but a couple of familiar names on the score sheet two goals scored for the ice hogs uh dylan sakura and matthew highmore how did the first game go and how did some of the potential future blackhawks look in the debut
2: well as far as first games go it was about what to expect it was pretty pretty sloppy the first period things got better the second period um you know, a lot of new faces on the Ice hog this year, so I think it's going to take them a couple games to figure things out and, you know, get the right line combinations going. But, uh, you know, it was kind of hard luck. They uh, gave up a couple fluky goals, and it started the third period, and then uh, Jacob Nielsen got called for a face-off infraction late in the game, and after killing off the first four Penalties of the night, they get a puck hits off of JT Brown right in front of net, hits past Lankinen with 15 seconds to go, and you lose. But uh, you know, it was it wasn't as terrible, and it wasn't great. So you know, it was an AHL game.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. You mentioned Kevin Lankinen in goal, and uh, you know you have Calendelia down there. Uh, you've got Lankinen, who's waiting in the wings. Who he really over the last calendar year has really sort of grown into a pretty decent prospect for the Blackhawks. Um, how was his debut this season, and how do you see the workload balancing between Lankinen and Delia down there this year?
2: You know, Lankinen looked really good. He he made, I think it was 33 saves total, and, and head coach Derek King sang his praises after the game. And he was correct, saying that uh, the only reason they were even in that game at the end was because of his effort. Um, And as you said, his progression over the last calendar year has been tremendous from a guy that started the season last year in the ECHL and not even putting up great numbers down there to winning a gold medal as the number one goalie tender for Finland at the World Championship. Uh, Pretty impressive stretch he's had here these last 12 months. Um, It sounds like Gila is going to start the home opener Saturday night uh, against Grand Rapids. Um, so at this point, I think it's just it's probably going to be much like the Blackhawks this year. It's going to be 50-50 until you get a guy with a hot hand, maybe ride him out a little bit. You know, AHL is such a hard league to figure out because you never know how long a guy is going to be there. So uh, if these guys are going to be here for the bulk of the season, which they should be barring injury in Chicago, I would see it uh, pretty much being a, a tandem, uh, a 1A and a 1B type situation.
0: Uh, Adam Boquist is a guy who I'm sure our listeners are listening to this podcast saying, Jay, you've already asked two questions and you haven't said Adam Boquist yet. That's the guy I think the Hawks fans are most excited to see this year. And they're curious about his development. Again, one game, but did Adam Boquist look like the Adam Boquist we all hoped he looks like?
2: Uh, to be honest with you, he didn't really stick out good or bad. And when you're a defenseman, that's not a bad thing necessarily. Um, I think when you're playing defense, you either get noticed when you're doing something either really good or really bad. So when you don't get noticed, you're probably just doing what you're supposed to do. I didn't notice any grievous mistakes out there, to be honest with you. Um, So, uh, but he didn't do anything spectacular either, but he's not going to do that every game. Though I think he will have a very good stint in Rockford. It's going to be helpful for him. It was the right move. Uh, He gets to play now on the penalty kill. He gets to play on the power play. He gets to play big minutes, tough defensive zone starts, stuff that likely wouldn't happen in Chicago. And he needs to get that under his belt. Um, I know as a guy that's going to be in the press box for the majority of their home games for selfish reasons, I'm glad he's there because I'm excited to watch him play in person and hopefully get to talk to him a few times, but uh, I don't know how long he's going to be in Rockford, but he, he should make the best of it.
0: Well, this time last year, uh, Dylan Sekiro was a guy who was on the radar as a soon to be Blackhawk. He was a guy who was on a tra- trajectory to be in the NHL and soon, and I don't think that ship is necessarily sailed. but he came up last year, played a lot of games towards the end of the year, spent a lot of that time on the top line, and just was not able to find the back of the net. I see he did score in the first game, like I mentioned uh, when we started the interview here. What his what what is his experience in Chicago? What has he said about that? Is, is it something that has helped his confidence? Something that's hurt his confidence? What was sort of the, I guess, what's the residue of his time in Chicago last year? What kind of impact did it have on his game and his mentality?
2: Well, I mean, that's you know, it's a little it's a little strange down there because you don't you know they kind of give you who they want you to talk to after games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a few times you talk to him, he, he'd say all the right things, um, you know, that he's just doing what the organization wants him to do. But you could tell those times when he would come back to Rockford he, he was disappointed. And, and you know, it may maybe affected his game a couple games until he got back into the swing. Um, there's no doubt he wants to be with the Blackhawks. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you would hope everybody in Rockford wants to be with the Blackhawks. And, you know, you get that taste of, of – You know the NHL lifestyle, and then you're and then you're back. You know, having dinner at the Olive Garden in Rockford. It's (laughs) going to be disappointed, but um, he just for whatever reason he's been he's been good in Rockford. Uh, He's a good AHL player who could score some goals, but uh, when for whatever reason when he gets into the NHL lineup, that just it just hasn't translated for him yet. Uh, Part of that is um, you know he just I don't think he has. At least at this point, he doesn't have the willingness to get dirty, to, to get knocked around in order to score goals. He's he's always been kind of a perimeter player, doesn't like to go between the dots. Um, but his goal he scored Saturday night, he was right in the slot, and Khrushchev hit him with a great pass off the board. So, you know, more of that consistently, and maybe he can make it work. Um, you know, I ripped him pretty good in that preseason game against Washington, the overtime game when he kind of just let Tom Wilson just go right by him, close his eyes and hope to stick tripped him up. And those are the type of plays he can't make if he wants to stick in the NHL. All
0: right. I've got two more questions for you. Uh, One guy who turned a lot of heads at training camp this year was Alexei Sorella. He was the other guy acquired in the Calvin DeHaan trade and looked like uh, he may have had a shot to make the team. It feels to me like if a top six forward goes down for the Hawks this year, Sorella might be one of the guys they call up first. If it's a bottom six guy, it could be Highmore. It could be someone more in that mold. But if it's a top six guy, Sorella might be the guy. How did he look in his debut? And uh, do you sort of feel the same way I do, that he, of the forwards, is probably the most NHL-ready as far as scores go?
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think he will be the first call-up when they need a guy that can score uh, on the team. He's got an NHL shot. Um, I, was, when I saw his name come through as the, as the quote-unquote throw-in player of the DeHaan trade. I was actually excited. Uh, I got to see him last year when I covered the Calder Cup final with Charlotte. He had the game-winning goal in Game 4 against the Wolves, I believe it was. Just a ridiculous quick release from from the top of the circle that the goaltender had no chance on. Um, He was on the top power play unit Saturday night against Iowa and probably will stay there. Uh, He's going to be one of their top producers. Um, He's He's produced at the AHL level the last two years. There's no doubt about it. He could score. He just hasn't had a chance to stick uh, a shot to make it in the NHL yet, and that was part of the reason why he wanted out and why he was traded. Um, But I think he's the type of guy that once he gets his shot with the Blackhawks, he's going to stick with the Blackhawks. His shot is that good.
0: All right, final question for you, uh, Blackhawks fans. Uh, should know the name of the captain of the Rockford Icehawks. That is Christopher Stieg, two-time times two Stanley Cup champion. I think a lot of us, when we saw that invite to camp and that he was playing a little bit and he was wearing a letter on his chest, uh, sort of had the, not I, I wouldn't say a fear, but the hesitation that he might come up and take some time away from a kid like Sorella or like Sakura or somebody like that. Uh, it does seem, though, right now that he's pretty settled into his role down there. What do you see for him next? Is that something that – will he be looking to get into coaching? Will he be getting to, looking into scouting? What's next for Christopher Steig when he's done playing in Rockford, do you think?
2: Um, I think he definitely might have a future in, in, in a coach or definitely a pro scout type thing. Those are the type of guys that stick around forever, and you always see it AHL games. Um, I think it was just a fantastic move by the Blackhawks to bring him back. I think he knew coming in that he's basically there to kind of be the mentor for the young guys in Rockford, and he's embraced that role. Um, you know, I, I, another option for him, as I know he's got uh, – at least used to have part ownership or full ownership of his junior team in Alberta, um, so maybe that's something he wants to do, get into some sort of general manager type thing. Personally I think he would be great, uh, as a studio analyst. I mean, he's got the personality, he's he can talk a big game and he knows the game, he's a smart guy. You know, there's there's a few guys that, you know, we see on a daily basis here in Chicago that he could probably do a better job than I'm not gonna mention names, but um I think his I, I think his options are wide open and, and he'll he'll succeed at whatever he decides to do. He's uh he's a good guy and a fun guy and uh, you know, he should he should do well.
0: All right, Greg Boyson from the Hockey Writers. He covers the Ice Hawks and the Chicago Wolves. Maybe we'll do a Chicago Wolves hit down the road here as we go. He's also a scout for the St. Cloud Blizzards. He's got the Hawk Takes podcast and a couple other things, like you're not busy enough. I want you to tell our listeners about your trivia nights. Let them know where they can find you next and and what the, uh, what the events are like.
2: Yeah, we do uh, once a week uh, at both Firewater Saloon locations, Tuesday nights on the north side in Edison Park. And then Wednesday nights, I go down to the south side in Mount Greenwood. And uh, we do team trivia, um, five rounds a night. Everything goes up on the TVs. There's picture clues. It's very
0: interactive.
2: It's, it's a good, it's a good uh, way to break up your midweek, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. So we do that every Tuesday and Wednesday night at 730.
0: Sounds great, Greg. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure we'll be catching up a lot as the season goes on and as the Icehawks continue to make news. Appreciate your time today. My pleasure. That was Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers. Follow him on Twitter, of course, at Greg Boyson. We thank him for his time, and we'll see him. uh, We'll talk to him a lot as the season goes on here, especially as some of the Hawks' top prospects continue to play down in Rockford before they join the big club. There's so many names down in Rockford to keep an eye on that that could actually contribute at the NHL level. We mentioned Sakura. We mentioned Highmore. We mentioned Sorella and Boquist. They've also got Philip Holm, who played well in the preseason. Tyler Secura scored a goal. Luke Carlson played a little bit. Kurashev is on the radar. Alex 14 has been up here before. Nicholas Bodan, probably not this year, but there's a lot of names in Rockford this year that are worth keeping an eye on. There's a lot of legitimate Blackhawks prospects playing for that team this year. So even beyond Adam Boakwas coming up or Alexei Sorella coming up, there's going to be guys to keep an eye on in Rockford. And uh, it's going to be an exciting team to cover. And hopefully, you know, if the Ice Hawks are good, that bodes well for the Blackhawks seasons uh, down the road. Anyway, want to wrap things up here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back on Thursday with a full preview of the Hawks home opener against the San Jose Sharks. And then Friday will be a full post-game reaction show. So thanks for joining me. Thanks to Greg Boyson for taking time out of his day. Again, if you want to leave me a voicemail, 708-653-0572, send us an email Locked on Blackhawks at gmail.com and follow the podcast on Twitter at L O underscore Blackhawks. Jay Zawoski on the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.